Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies who are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. Today we have Missy Meganson on the show. You may know her as So You're a Hairstylist on Instagram. Missy has been in the industry for 15 years and has been an independent stylist almost the entire time. These days when Missy isn't behind the chair, you can find her coaching other hairstylists, blogging, or running around town getting her new salon ready to open. Welcome to the show, Missy. Oh my gosh, I love that little intro. Like, I might need to steal that. That was like a perfect little nutshell of me. Well, I love that. Thank you. I, I try really hard when I do it to be like, I want to give people a vibe of what I think someone is. And I try not to take too much from like, like, you know, I've listened to you on other episodes of other shows. And I'm like, oh, I just want it to be like who I see the person as. I love it. No, that's perfect. It's like the perfect little Cliff's Notes version. Totally. And yeah, I would love to learn a little bit about, I know, you know, you, you've been doing hair for 15 years and a lot of the time you've been running your own business. So I'd love to learn more about the different like evolutions that have gotten you up until today, because I feel like for me, having had my own studio for the last seven years, there's been so many renditions within those seven years that I love to learn about like yours because it's like have an assistant, not have an assistant, moving salons. And now I know you're opening your own. So we love to like learn about your journey. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I never really dissected it all probably until the past year, but I kind of have, when it comes to being an independent stylist, I've actually been in every setting that you can possibly be in. (laughs) Like, so, um, yeah, I've done them all. I've experienced them all. I have opinions about them all. Um, and, and before I say like my opinions, I I think everybody's journey is uniquely their own. So I think it's what, what works best for you and what fits best for you. But it's just sort of, like you said, the evolution of, of what my journey has looked like. That's so cool. Yeah. So you've been in a location where you've been running your own business. And then in the last like year was it that you just decided that you wanted something more or a change or what, what's kind of brought you to opening your own salon? Yeah. So I actually have, um, I started, I started cosmetology. Like I became a hairstylist in Virginia and we're now in South Florida. So a thousand miles away. And so I've had to rebuild as an independent, um, twice And it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't even a year ago that I decided about the salon. I, I got an idea, uh, in March of 2019. And it was one of those things where I wrote down all of the reasons like why this would be hard. (laughs) And then I wrote down a really specific list of all of the stars that would have to align for this to work. And the space that I signed my lease on was, um, the second space that I looked at, uh, and I wasn't even looking and I didn't have a realtor. So it just sort of evolved from this. So I guess what I'm saying is I didn't really like set out to do it. It just sort of, um, was one of those like, well, if, if this was all to happen, this is how I would do it. And the drive to have my own space now, as opposed to being an independent is really because I see now at this point in my career, I'm now officially 16 years in my client, um, has transitioned in the past year from being less an actual 
client of, of the service of hair that I'm doing and more I, I'm starting to view my client as the hairstylist and how can I serve them better? How can I um, grow and, and participate in community and business building? And so I just became super passionate about creating a structured environment where I felt like someone would have the opportunity to grow to their fullest potential and I would love to help them get there. Wow, that's really cool. I'm reading this book, Super Attractor, by Gabrielle Bernstein, and she says that when you're manifesting in the in like through service, things kind of happen more quickly. And it sounds to me like that's kind of what you were doing. Like if I could do this and it'd be in the service of others, and then it's kind of like the universe kind of moved because it's like that space is available and all those things. And that's just really cool because it's like your why is bigger than you, and it's not like it sounds like you're, you were fine doing hair the way you were doing it and that, that this became like more of a passion for you. And that's so cool. Yeah. It honestly, I'm, I'm a super, like, I don't know if you um, pay attention to like any, I don't know if you do Enneagram numbers or anything yes, I'm like a two. that. Okay. I'm a three. So okay. I'm a, a three is an achiever. And so I'm very much like, I love to check boxes and I'm always sort of, it's hard for me to kind of be present in the moment because I'm always like accomplishing a task or, or whatever. And so in this past year, since I started, um, the whole, so you're a hairstylist, Instagram page and blog, I started feeling this like pressure where I felt like, okay, I, I kind of can't keep just doing hair the way I am. Because like I said, I felt, I felt my passion for who I, who I was reaching as a client changing. And so I, I'm one for um, drama, like just ask my husband. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very big on being dramatic. And so I literally was like, I either have to quit doing hair or I have to open my own salon. Like it was to that point for me because I felt so passionate about how I wanted a space to be run and how I wanted the um, offering education and just what that looked like that I either was going to go into like full-time education or I was going to have to open my own space. And he's like, right. So, you know, that's, that's not stressful at all. Like (laughs) no in between, but yeah, that's what kind of brought me here. Yeah, that's so cool. And as far as like how you want to set it up, I know I've talked to you a little bit about it, but I'd love to share with everyone the kind of the structure and the setup that you've created and that you're creating, because I haven't ever heard of it. And it was one of the reasons why I was most excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I honestly haven't heard of it either. (laughs) So I told, like I told you earlier, I'm like, I have all these really great ideas and I hope that it works the way it like make sense on paper. So being the fact that I've been an independent stylist for, um, most of my career, I was only in a commission salon for two years. And then I went out on my own, which I say all the time. I do not necessarily recommend that's just my story. And so that's where I have the most um, experience to offer, um, in that. And I know what it has meant for me to be an independent and, there's a thing with, um, all of us where we have, we have a larger drive if we have bigger skin in the game. Um, and that is something beneficial that comes out of being an independent, right? Like you are kind of on the hook for maybe a little bit more than you are as a commission stylist. And and it causes a little bit of drive, uh, a little bit of ownership to come into our path maybe sooner um, than if you're just getting a percentage of the work that you're doing. 
And so being that I feel so passionate about what that's done for me and, and being an independent, I knew that if I started a space, it couldn't be commissioned uh, because honestly, I don't really have experience with that structure. Um, and so I have a booth rental side of my salon and they will all just pay weekly, like a normal booth rent, um, like what I have done forever, but I'm offering the things that I missed or felt like were maybe um, missed along the way of being an independent. So we do have someone at um, the front desk to help greet guests and make it feel like a cohesive environment. Um, we do all use the same retail and we sell the retail through the salon structure. So they will get paid out percentages of retail as though they were a commissioned salon. I provide the back bar and their styling because it feels like a unified front, even though they're fully getting to kind of own and operate their own businesses. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And I think that that is kind of the things you do miss when you're, when you're on your own is like, Oh, it would be nice to have someone else greeting my client or things like that. So I think that sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's literally the things that it's like, okay, when you're an independent, you know, there are so many places where it becomes hard to draw boundaries because we feel like we're on all the time. And, and I don't, I think everybody has to come to that conclusion themselves, but I sort of, kind of picked like what I thought were the pros of, of being a commission base and that team base aspect and education and all of that. And then the pros of being an independent and then kind of mix them into one to offer to my booth running stylist. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Chelsea market in New York city. Have you ever been there? I don't think so. There's, and there's something here that's popping up. It's basically the idea that, so like Chelsea market is this really cool, place in Chelsea in New York city, but there's all of these brands inside of there. Like there's even, so there's even like an anthropology in there and there's all these restaurants, right? So they, but people say like, I'm going to Chelsea market, even though there's these amazing thriving, flourishing brands inside of there. So that's sort of what I see my space as is we're a group and we're like this collective. I mean, it's called Collab and Co. On, yeah, on, I forgot what it was called. Okay, yeah, collab it's Collab and Co. Co. So collaboration. and um, But they each can have their own identity as their own brand. Um, the, the blow dry bar side is the sort of um, wild card where we have a really big market in South Florida where I am for blow dries. And they say like the best businesses are like problem solvers. And so the, um, the way my schedule is behind the chair, I don't often have time to accommodate my clients when they want blow dries for special occasions, just because, um, I'm usually booked out further than they know that they need that. And so I have referred so much business to the local blow dry bar that we have. And I was like, dang, you know, I wish I could create my own vibe, like a, a space where we offered this and it felt like a really luxurious thing. And it had the vibe that I know my guests are used to getting from me, but they could more easily book and they could get treatments more often, you know, decide on a whim that they wanted a treatment that they didn't have to book, you know, six weeks out in advance for me. So that got kind of my brain 
turning in that. And then I started thinking about when a stylist um, gets out of cosmetology school and how they could make the transition easier. And I started thinking about how blow dry is probably the easiest thing to become efficient and proficient in because if you mess up the blow dry, you know, it's like rewash the hair and just do it over. You haven't taken length off. You haven't added a layer that wasn't supposed to be there. You haven't um, maybe formulated wrong. And so they could sort of start their journey with creating their presence on the floor, getting used to consultation, selling retail, and um, really just starting to learn how to engage with clients in a, in a safer format being blow dries. And then as they grow in that, um, my blow dry stylist will have the option to booth rent um, one day. And then that can grow from there. So if they want to start taking clients for cut and color, they will sign a formal contract just like my booth runners do for one day. And that will be their day where they get to kind of own their own business and do clients um, that way. So they'll transition sort of in that format. Well, it's really cool to give people, it's also giving people kind of like a roadmap for a future. Because sometimes I feel like those blowout salons, you're like, oh, people do it for a little while, but it's not really what they're going to do forever. And it's kind of cool to give people that kind of roadmap. Yeah, I, I think we all have to feel like whatever we're doing has to be for a big, or at least for me, like whatever I'm doing, I have to feel like it's leading somewhere. And I really do feel like the drop off rate of stylists that get licensed and then stay in the industry for five years, it's not for lack of wanting to do hair, but it's more those beginning years can, can really mess with your mind. It's hard. It's really hard. And if you don't feel like you have, um, growth potential and financial stability, um, or potential financial for financial stability and stuff, that's when you start looking elsewhere for something else to do, even though what you really wanted to do was hair. Totally. And I, that, that is perfect segue because I know for me, having gone into my own studio, I, I didn't have a lot of the boundaries that the the traditional salon gave me because it's like, I never dealt with my scheduling. I never dealt with someone saying like, Oh, I have a wedding that day, even though it's a day you're not working or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I know that when I think about the parts of my job in the past, before I was able to kind of reframe it and like find better boundaries was, was just like the fact that like, I didn't, I wasn't, I learned on the job how to have better, healthy boundaries, energetic boundaries, all those things. But I know for having, having your own, running your own business, it's not something that really anyone teaches. And that is for me, like in the years past, when I'm like, look back and I go, why was I not happy or things like that? A lot of it was just, I felt like I was getting hit from all sides and things that I've been able to do, like, you know, no longer having a phone number and doing it all through email or online and things like that. But can you talk about a little bit about how you found the most helpful, you know, kind of remedies for some of the pitfalls and things that people that work for themselves run into? Because, I mean, in, in 16 years, you probably have learned some some major stuff. Yeah, I... I, I learned the hard way <laughs> for sure. And I think that's kind of what you're saying you did yeah. too. I think there's an element of that for all of us. Cause you don't know until you know, and, um, it is important to, I think, learn and, and be on your journey. But, 
when I started out, you know, social media wasn't really uh, a thing. It was like just kind of happening. Facebook was just happening. And so I used the, the paper schedule book and all my clients had my phone number and, and I was newly married. And so I was in that, like, I have to make it, I have to make it happen. And I was working all the time. And I do want to say this because I think in such a state and day and age where we are aware of needing self-care and needing boundaries, I do think sometimes we can use that as an excuse. And this might not be the popular opinion, but I think sometimes we have to be okay with, with kind of like going after it and, and working really hard for a goal and at least where I say the boundary comes in with that is giving yourself an end date. So if, if you start off, um, not really putting that pressure on yourself, it, it might be hard to gain that momentum depending on how much you're needing to build up. So I always call it for me, like right now I'm in a sprint. I know that I cannot keep the pace that I'm going at right now forever, but I have an end date. It's November 1st. And so I'm like, okay, I'm sprinting. And then I have accountability set up around me where I'm like, I'm going to pump the brakes. My schedule's going to need to relax a little bit. And then I'm going to go more at like a marathon pace. And so I think, um, before I even got into the boundaries with you, I just was like, sometimes we have to be okay to think like, okay, I'm opening this suite and yes, I want to have boundaries and yes, I don't want to have to learn the hard way, but don't be afraid to like put in the time and like work a little bit to get yourself there. Right. Like I worked the first 18 days I opened my studio and I was like, looking back, it was like a labor of love. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I did it and it's like, I knew I wasn't going to do that forever. Did I know I could get to such an awesome place? I don't think I even knew it was attainable, but I definitely, I totally a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Like you kind of got to build that momentum. And there's like, like, I love what Kimber says on her episode this week. It's just like, there's a lot of different seasons to this career and you need to know that. And you need to like, just honor the season that you're in. So there are seasons of hustle and there's seasons yeah. of like slow and whatever. And so I think that, yeah, I, and I want to make sure people hear that too, because a lot of times I think I've kind of been in a season of like trying to prioritize myself, but then it's like, wait, wait, let me take you way back. Cause like the way I got here and I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I, I like, that's exactly what you just said. It's like, we, we do need to talk about the boundaries and how to get there and all of that. But, you know, I think when you're starting something great and you're in it, like you, there is a little bit more of that work that has to go in so that you can enjoy your time later. Like there's that quote about an entrepreneur, someone who's willing to live like others won't so that they can live like others can't. And so it's like, if you're going to go out on your own, you do have to know that you are going to have to work harder at first. You just are until you get to that point where you have those systems in place and then you can start to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and live the life that, um, to me is such an incredible life that we can have, especially as women, um, and moms to be able to work our schedules around what's best for our family. That's the only thing I didn't add in your bio. I didn't acknowledge that you were a mom. <laughs> I didn't even know. I see. I didn't even notice that part. I'm like, yeah, I'm a mom. So yeah, for me, my biggest pitfall with boundaries for sure was knowing when I needed 
not having the urgency to respond to people right away. And honestly, it fell on me. I went for years being upset that a client would ask me for a late appointment. And instead, what I, and so then I would miss dinner with my family, right? But they they didn't ask me, they didn't say, Missy, can you stay and miss dinner with your family and work a 12-hour day when that's not really what's best for your health? All they were doing was requesting an appointment. And it was my job to say, hey, this is when I stop working. So sorry, I can't accommodate you. And it, it really, I that was the hardest thing for me to learn was that when I said yes, I couldn't be upset with the client. I needed to actually look inward. Yeah, that's been my hardest part too, is that exactly what you said. It's, it's not anyone else. It's so easy to not take ownership and blame other people. But what I found is like the shifts that I've made have come from inside and there's a lot of people, and Don Bradley says this, but there's a lot of people that don't see any shame or no, they just don't see any harm in asking. Mm-hmm. And I take everything everyone's asking as like, if you don't do this, I'm going to be mad at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, yeah, it's not what people are saying. They're saying, I've had people say, can I come back before my daughter's bar mitzvah to get the blow dry that comes with my color? And oh. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> and I'm like, that person saw no harm in asking. Yeah. And I sometimes internalize other people's asking instead of just being like, won't work. Think nice try. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I, I, what you said, it's like, that's been a huge shift for me being like, it's okay that you ask and it's, and I didn't really operate that it was okay for me to say no. I didn't either for years and, and got so incredibly burnt out. And something that I actually just had this aha moment this week, which is totally applicable to what we're talking about right now, would go into my pricing structure as an independent. Is that something that... I would love to hit that. Okay. So when I went out on my own, I was technically still a... Um, junior stylist at the salon I was at like, Hey, junior stylist to see ya. Bye. I'm going to go run my own mm-hmm. thing. Like who does that? Me apparently. <laughs> um, like I was so crazy. Um, like just young enough and didn't know enough just to think I could do it. And, um, so what I didn't, I would say the biggest mistake, and it's funny cause I'm actually going to write a, a blog about it, but the biggest mistake that I made in my career, and it's because I, I didn't know better and I didn't have anybody to show me even being an independent on the East coast, like where I was, was a very new thing was in order to make more money. It didn't mean you needed to work more or do more hair. It, it meant that I needed to change my pricing structure. And I I learned that the hard way. I viewed money as not, I viewed making more money as taking on more people. Um, So I would be fully booked, but maybe want to get a nicer car. So I would do the math in my head and say, okay, well, that's just one extra foil a month. Fast forward to me working 60 hours a week. That's insane. Well, yeah, because I didn't know better. To me, more money meant more heads of hair. And what it really should have been was, okay, Missy, you're fully booked now. People can't get in for two to three months. Now you need to start having those hard conversations. But I didn't know how to have them. And I didn't even know how where to start with upping my prices. So then I would start to get 
burn out and feel annoyed that clients, you know, were willing to pay me that, you know, all of the, those nasty monsters started coming out. And so if I had advice to give anybody, it would be to be okay with having that uncomfortable conversation, be okay with, if you have goals for making more money behind the chair, if you want to be six figure stylist, you know, multiple six, whatever that looks like for you, don't view it as more heads of hair and more time working. View it as how you need to structure your days and your pricing to get to that point. Yeah, I love that. And I know that what the first time I heard that was from Nina Kovner from Passion Squared. And when I heard her say, like, you know, like raise, you might, if, you know, there's a price, there's price increases and there's price adjustments. And sometimes your prices are at a place where you need to adjust them, not just do a yearly increase. And Mm -hmm. I remember listening and thinking, that sounds so awesome, but still being like, okay, I'd have to get three more people in and then I could get that increase. I remember hearing that, but not thinking that it applied to me. Yeah. That, that like that, I had to work more, but like it was cool for other people that they didn't have to. And then I think it kind of comes into like not seeing your worth and thinking that you're not worth more and just kind of finding like kind of like connecting your self-worth with like believing that your net worth can go up and not that there's separate things. Well, and it's it becomes totally fear-based, right? Because I, here's me like, okay, at the time, like we had a house and a mortgage and uh, a daughter, you know, I had a, a young daughter and, um, I was the, the main breadwinner. My husband worked, but I out earned him like times three. And so, you know, us getting nicer things would, wouldn't be me. The right thing to do would have been to yeah. take the jump and not be afraid of having hard conversations and say, okay, I need to figure out how to restructure my prices. I need to figure out how to get comfortable with selling retail because the profit margin on retail is insane. Like if you see the breakdown of, um, actually selling retail properly, you, your earnings go up exponentially beyond just the equivalent like services given. And I didn't know enough and I didn't have someone mentoring me. I just didn't know how to have those hard conversations. And so the easy way in my mind, right? Like I was literally willing to work myself into the ground to avoid having a hard conversation because I was afraid. Yeah. I think a lot of us are like that. I think we are too. Mm -hmm. And it took me, I mean, I'm telling you, it took me almost probably 12 years before I really, yeah, yeah. So if you're starting an independent journey, like I said, like, and you said too, like, be okay to hustle, be okay that like, maybe you have some growing pains and, and your pricing might feel wonky and you might not know how to schedule yourself. But as you start to build that traction, you know, as you start to basically you've done market research, you're like, Hey, hi, I'm an independent. I'm here. And if your market research has worked and what you have to offer is sticking and so you're getting booked, you have clients coming, then the sooner you can get okay with having uncomfortable conversations and feeling uncomfortable to grow yourself, the the happier you're going to be and the better your business is going to be for it. Yeah. And what would you say is like one of the steps you took to, to start doing that? Because there's people like listening going, yeah, I want, I definitely need to do that. But like, where do I even start? Okay. So for me, because I knew that it was mental, I, 
I invested money in pretty substantial education because I knew that if I could in my mind validate what I was doing. And yes, we can all say like charge your work, whatever, but like you said, it's not good enough. Like I need more something tangible. Yeah. It's like hard to say like, okay, but that doesn't apply to me. Like you just said, from what you heard from Nina, it's like, okay, yeah, that's great for them. So for me, I was like, okay, something has to shift. I'm reaching a precipice yet again in another state. This has happened again. So what am I going to do? And I kind of took the ownership of my like mental state and said like, okay, well, I'm going to invest this much money in pretty substantial education. And I did that. And I actually, um, posted it and talked about it often on my social media. All of my clients knew that I was doing it. It was something that I was very vocal about. And so by the time I actually went to make this was, what did you say? There's a price increase and there's a price adjustment. Yes. What's the bigger one? adjustment where you go, I'm adjusting prices. Yeah. This was an adjustment times 10. And I've said the number before. I try not to say it now because I would never coach anybody to do this, but it was big. And I, it was very big and it was a, it was the probably most bold move I've ever made in my career. And I, I was at this point, like I have nothing to lose. Like I know how to rebuild whatever I'm going for it. And because my clients had been invested in my education, but they also felt my increased um, confidence in what I was saying, it translated. Mm-hmm. I had up, I felt worthy now because I had paid to be trained by so-and-so and so now all of a sudden I was probably doing very similar hair. Right. But now I felt worthy. Now I felt willing to charge my worth and that resonated. And so I didn't get pushback. Clients were like, Oh yeah, of course you are. You've invested whatever. Like we've watched it happen. Like, of course you're raising. And I'm like, wait, you would have been paying us all along. I'm such a numbskull. It's kind of crazy. And like what you're saying is, um, so this, this blog words, words of women, she sends out like a monthly or weekly email. And this week's, it was about how this one, like she was saying, like the person who was in gone with the wind, they were like, Hey, here's some fake boobs. You got to wear these. Cause your boobs aren't big enough. So she went in her, her train or whatever trailer or whatever. And was like, I'm not wearing these. And she's just put her shoulders back and walked out and was going to tell the producer or whatever, like, I'm not wearing this. And he goes, see, look at what a difference that made. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like, you already had what made you special. You already were treating your clients in an awesome way. You were already showing up in so many ways as this awesome person, but you started believing in how you were showing up had value and it changed everything. Right. And for some of us, it does take that tangible takeaway. Like for some of us, just coming up with a way to believe that in our internal dialogue is really, really difficult to come by. And so I say, even just for building up, you know, I talk a lot, um, to, to young stylists or emerging stylists, and I recommend the same thing for them that I would for an independent that's looking to maybe shift or transition or up level themselves. And it's do the things that you can do in your comfort zone that are going to get you to that point where you can stand behind what you're doing. So take that education to become more confident and to almost give you that clout and then do uh, do free hair for that maybe new thing you've learned to be able to advertise it even more. So I would do just a model on Monday just to be able to do whatever I wanted. And then I could really advertise it and create sort of that buzz about it. So then when I was ready to say like, okay, this is what I charge now. This is what my value is. I had already kind of owned it 
Yeah. And like owning it is everything. Yeah, it, it is. And it's hard. And it's hard when you are an independent because for me, um, I, it's funny, I'm such an, I'm an introvert, but I do thrive in a team based atmosphere. And so if you are in a suite, um, you know, sometimes I've, I've been in a suite before and I just kind of felt like I was this lone read and like I was having to figure it out all on my own. And you really don't now, like you don't have to feel like you have to figure it out on your own. Even if you're in a suite, like get in community, find people that relate to you, that relate to your vibe, that have similar struggles as you. And maybe even just having a conversation with that person and you two holding each other accountable to like make a hard decision simultaneously or together, maybe that's all you need. Right. Yeah. Would you say that a big part of your shift over the years has been like the fulfillment that you've gotten from your job kind of evolving from like having it be like loving to make your clients feel awesome and then kind of starting your blog and the the Instagram and then having it kind of evolve into being like, wow, the fulfillment is kind of taking me more towards stylists. Um, yeah, that shift has been like really rapid. I I literally got the idea for the blog last August. So August of 2018 is when I got the idea. And then in true fashion, again, I said like, I'm like an all or nothing. So I was like, and we have a blog. And it was like basically the end of August. Um, and like totally like Jerry rigged a website, like all of that. Um, for me to feel that evolution or to kind of own like my own power within whatever I'm doing, I have to feel forward momentum. So when I finally stepped into my own and was willing to make that huge price increase three years ago, it was because I had pursued forward momentum. I was like, okay, we're, we're stuck. We are feeling status quo. I know I need to make a change. I don't know what to do. And so that's when I just was like, okay, we're going to deep dive into education. We're going to kind of light that passion again. And I think that's where my sweet spot lives is when I find something that I'm super passionate about the growth of, and then I go all in. So I was super passionate about the growth of my craft and kind of up-leveling my pricing and my clientele. And so I went all in. And then, you know, a year ago when I launched the blog, um, the evolution of my passion for stylist sort of has taken off and, and taken me like, I don't even know what's going on now. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's crazy too. Cause I was just thinking as you were talking, like if it's only been a year, I remember I did your bingo thing maybe a year ago and you yes! sent me a $5 Starbucks thing. And I just remembered like, that was, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah, it was literally it. Bingo was not bingo has resurfaced a couple times, which just makes me freaking laugh. Um, because I'm like here, I, yeah, I'm like, who does bingo? Me, apparently. It was um, fun. It yeah. made me like a real, uh, real ride or die since I'd done, I was like, I got a bingo. I've done someone's yeah. hair that day. I've done this. I know it's so fun. I don't know. I really feel like it's funny because I say all the time, 
you know, I had my daughter, I got married at 20. I had my first daughter at 22 and my second at 27. And so I'm always like, you know, those memes where they're like, remember in your twenties. And I'm like, no, I don't. I was a mom and I had a business and a mortgage and two car payments. But I always say like my forties are going to be lit. And so I feel like now, because I literally started doing hair and had kids that now that my kids are 11 and seven, I feel like maybe I'm stepping into parts of this career and passion that maybe I would have found earlier. Um, but I didn't have that space in my life where I'm stepping into it now. Yeah. That's so uh, and, cool. Yeah. And it's cool because it's just cool. One of those, like everything happens for a reason. Cause I wouldn't have been able to step into this place with these years of saying I did all this wrong, or this is what I've done. That's right. That worked for me, or I tried this and it worked or didn't or whatever. If I had started it, you know, right. back then or whatever. So it's just, it's just cool to see the evolution of it all. Totally. And so that leads me to the last question, which is like, what do you see this next year looking like for you? Like as far as like with your salon, like how much of your time do you want to be behind the chair? How much of it do you want to be like, you know, like running your salon and your education stuff and blogging, like what is, what's the breakdown looking like, or is it still kind of in flux? That's a really great question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, okay. So I had made a commitment. I'm only behind the chair two days a week. And I was like that when I watched the blog. So I was basically able to take my free time that my girls were in school and pour all of that free, literally free, like working for free, not making money, blogging for free into it because it was for a bigger goal in mind. Um, And now that this is all happening, so I'm still two days behind the chair. And when I did my numbers for the salon, I knew that to pursue, I wasn't ready. I'm not ready to stop like what I'm doing with So You're a Hairstylist. And so I knew that I needed to budget in that I had help. Um, So one of my front desk people will also kind of help me out as a business manager. And just knowing that I have people that can help me hold down the fort when, and if I do need to travel. Yeah. And like Um, delegating the things that you're doing that like someone else could be doing that doesn't need your, your touch. Right. I'm delegating a lot. And I will tell you like on paper, yes, it's going to take away from profit, but in the long run, it's, it's not because you know, that whole figure out what your hour is worth. And then if something is lower than that, um, you can, you can delegate it because you can actually end up in, in the green with that. So, um, I am delegating my bookkeeping, my payroll, my QuickBooks, my sales tax, like all of those things are being handed off so that I can be in the salon to help with the culture really hot and heavy, Um, at first and when I'm in town and then whatever travels. So your hairstylist might um, throw my way like already. And I don't want to really think about it, but it's looking like I'm barely here in January. So I'm like, all right, we got to have our stuff together by January y'all. That's Um, exciting though. It is. So I'm just really trying to put things in place that are, are, um, going to help me hopefully be able to show up as my best self in each of those arenas. Yeah. And letting go of having to stay in your comfort zone and stay behind the chair when like there's parts of your career that you maybe are playing with more now that like, you know, the, the, I don't know, for me, like the natural tendency is to do what I'm comfortable doing, even though I have dreams of doing other things. So that's really cool to watch you do that. 
Yeah, I love, I still love doing hair, but I love like the two days a week is really a sweet spot for me. And who knows what that will evolve into down the road, but it, it's not broken right now. So, um, and it's, it has funded. So you're a hairstylist. Yeah. So I took pretty much everything I made, not every, but a lot of what I made last year behind the chair. And I used that money to literally fly myself places to pursue this. Like no one was paying for me to travel to the West coast twice. No one was paying for me to go to New York and go to the hair shows that I went to. But I, um, I knew that I was on a mission. So I said, as long as I don't spend more than what I've made, uh, then, then this is what we're doing. That's so cool. It's so cool to me. Well, where can people find you? I, uh, am, you know, obsessed with Instagram. <laughs> so, um, at, so you're a hairstylist is the best place to find me. Um, yeah. And I have, I have a website and a Facebook page and all that jazz, which you can totally check out my blog. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram, um, most of the time. Yeah. And keep posting salon photos because I love seeing, I love seeing the evolution of your, your upcoming salon. It's been fun. I'm like, oh, I think maybe I'm like missing my calling as a vlogger or something. This is so fun. These well, people are not really. Keep it up. <laughs> thanks. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you so much.